0: Hi everyone! Hello everybody! Welcome to another exciting episode of I'm
1: Horrified! Yay! Episode 21! We're here! We're legal! We're legal! We're legal! <laughs> I love that. I'm Sam Bontich. And I'm Allie Rayner. And and we remember to say our names like approximately half the time. Oh, we didn't do it last episode, I don't know we? that we did. I don't know that we no. did. Oh my god, speaking of last episode, so last episode you talked about TanaCon. I did. I am now engulfed by the amount of content on YouTube yeah. and on the internet about Tanacon. Once you start there's no end. I am just in I'm captivated by Shane Dawson's docu series about it. I can't stop. I can't stop. No. And I won't and I never will. And I never will. I just uh So I just encourage everyone to go out there. Yeah, we both we posted a ton of stuff on Twitter. Yes. about about Tanacon. About Tanacon. I, w- I just wish there was more
0: YouTube content about the molasses flood, frankly.
1: I know I wish that, <laughs> I wish that Shane Dawson would cover that, but he's been suspiciously silent. Ooh. Um, but you know, enough about episode twenty. We're here. It's episode twenty-one. Um, Sam, what are you going to talk about today? Today I'm going to talk about the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Oh my god, I'm really excited. What are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the Capuchin catacombs. I don't know what that
0: is. Oh, I'm so
1: excited to tell you. It's oh terrible. My gosh
0: capuchin like the monkey maybe
1: it's got nothing to do with that man the monkeys are cute yeah exactly they're so cute they have no business on this podcast <laughs> so true I'm not horrified by them at all um I am really fascinated I kn- I think I know a lot about the Linsky scandal but then I go over it in my head and I realize oh wait I actually don't know that much about it and so yeah. I just I'm really excited for you to tell me everything. Absolutely. It's, it's
0: a, it's a real scandal within a scandal within a scandal situation.
1: So where are we starting? I'm going to
0: just kind of start with Monica, I think, and then right into the timeline of her time at the White House. Give me a... So, of course, for for anyone who doesn't know, maybe for anyone who's not American listening... Oh, true.
1: Though I think this does transcend international boundaries. I think so,
0: too. So, the Monica Lewinsky scandal, or as it's often known, the Lewinsky-Clinton scandal, Mm -hmm. uh, was a sex scandal that came out, uh, came to light in 1998 about the current president at the time, Bill Clinton, and his White House intern, Monica Lewinsky, and they had been having an affair... Um, and sexual contact for, for a while. Yep. <laughs> and, it, and For it, too long. And it all came out. Um, and of course he was 49 at the time and she was like 22. Duh. So. And LR. he was president of the United States. And he was the president of the United States and she was an intern. And it became like this huge pop culture phenomenon that is still to this day, like, Beyonce did that, uh, partition song. She has that lyric, he Monica Lewinsky'd all up on my gown.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a it's a metaphor for coming on a dress, which yeah. Monica
0: later commented on, and she was like, he, "She really should have said he built Clinton on my ground." And I was like, "I only respect you." I love that. Yeah. So Monica grew up in San Francisco, California. Uh, her family is pretty wealthy in the like California area. They're well. Lewinsky's a well-known name, and she ultimately. Enrolled in Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, and graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology in 1995. Right. So, in 1995, with the assistance of a family connection, she got an unpaid summer internship at the White House under White House Chief of Staff Leon Panetta. So she moves to Washington and she takes up the position in July of 1995, right after graduating college. Right. So, like, right after I
1: graduated college, what I did was, like, cried a lot. Yeah. We ate too much. Yeah. Yeah. And wrote cover letters together while crying. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Monica's in the White House. <laughs> there she is. Already I'm overwhelmed. So, she's 21 and she begins the job in June of 1995. Around November 1995, Monica and President Bill Clinton begin a sexual relationship. So she, she talks about this later, that's how we know that November is about the time this that this started happening. Okay. And she has stated they never had intercourse, but they had multiple sexual encounters, approximately nine. Okay. Is the number that I kept seeing. And it starts in November. So she's been in the office for like a few months and Bill's gotten his, his hands on her. And so, in theory, it was a summer internship, so it should have been just about up as of November. But miraculously, in December, Lewinsky moves to a paid position in the Office of Legislative Affairs, handling letters from members of Congress. And in this role, she frequently ferries mail to the Oval Office. Okay, so that's not surprising. Yeah, so she's she's sticking around, and she has a job that has her very reasonably going into the President's office. So, let's move over to 1996. In April of 1996... The then Deputy White House Chief of Staff, Evelyn Lieberman, transferred Monica to a job under Pentagon spokesperson Ken Bacon. And Lieberman later told the New York Times the move was due to inappropriate and immature behavior and inattention to work. So she's not saying it's because she was, you know, blowing the president. But it seems... Wouldn't put
1: that fine a point on it. It seems
0: at the very least that it was noticed by her colleagues or her boss that she was not the most attentive to her job.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Who knows what else they thought. But at the Pentagon, Monica meets Linda Tripp, who is a career government worker at the Pentagon and Monica's new best friend. That's the truth. We've all had work friends who, like, all of a sudden
1: were just telling them everything about our lives. I love the point at a new job when I can start dishing it with my coworkers, I love that.
0: Absolutely. And that's what Monica and Linda are doing. In the summer of 1996, Monica begins to let Linda know that, um, she's been seeing this guy. (laughs) He's married. But he's so special. And he's the current president of the United
1: States. That's Um, wild.
0: (laughs) So they're just dishing, and it is actually Linda Tripp. Okay, so this is like a piece of pop culture that, again, non-American listeners might not understand the way Americans do. Famously, Monica was wearing this blue dress, and Bill came on it. It's very famous, that fact. very famous, this fact. So, in course of their dishing, Monica said to Linda, oh my god, like, I hooked up with Bill last night, and he, like, it's so funny, like, I have a dress with the President's come on it now, like, I'll have to get it dry cleaned.
1: I would tell you that, oh my god, I would tell you that immediately. (laughs) Exactly. I would text you five minutes after it happened. Yes. If that... I would be like, oh my god I would send you a picture of the dress. Yeah. We get what best friends are like. Yes. Like. It's it's just it's easy. Yeah. You and just want your you body to know. know. You want them to know. They need to know. But it is So act- I get it. Yes. And you don't have to be American to understand <laughs> how much It's fun to dish. It's fun to dish, yeah. But it is actually Linda Tripp who encourages
0: Monica not to get the dress dry cleaned. <gasps> and just to keep it. Dear lord. That's gonna come back later, folks. It does. It really does. So to understand this next part of the story, we're moving into 1997, and I have to talk to you about Paula Jones. Yeah. So Paula Jones was an Arkansas State employee who had been suing Bill Clinton for sexual harassment, Uh, specifically, I think he was exposing his penis to her, since 1994. Yeah, sounds like him. He's an animal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's gross. Gross. So, they've been in various courts, and then whatever the decision was, the party who didn't get what they wanted would appeal, and it would go to a higher court. All this had been happening since 1994. In 1997, it finally reaches the Supreme Court. So now it's, not only is it not in Arkansas anymore, it is in the grandest, like, court of the land in Washington. And he's the president. And he's the sitting president. Uh, I'm not going to talk much more about the Paula Jones case, so just to, like, wrap it up briefly the case ends in november 1998 clinton settles with jones for eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars which was the whole amount of her claim without an apology in exchange for her agreement to drop the appeal he had been found not guilty she was going to appeal and he was like i will just pay you to not all the money that you want okay because i don't want to be found guilty of this right so like right now i'm innocent i'll just give you what you want right i'm not apologizing but here Um, but it's basically because this Paula Jones case is happening that a lot of this stuff ends up coming out.
1: And people are like, is he a sexual deviant? I think he might be a sexual deviant.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that happened in January. And so because of that, all of a sudden there's like this real interest in Washington and especially by like people who interact with Bill Clinton in like, what's his story? Is he doing this stuff? Do we know that he's doing this stuff? Is your coworker having a penis exposed to her? Like what's happening? And in August, Linda Tripp, who is Monica's work BFF, encounters a woman named Kathleen Wiley coming out of the Oval Office, quote, disheveled, her face red, and her lipstick was off. And later, Wiley alleges that Clinton had groped her. Mm. So, Linda Tripp witnesses this. Um, She's later called a liar by Bill Clinton's lawyer, and I think that's part of the reason why this next thing happens. Linda begins taping the conversations in which Monica details her affairs with the president. So sometimes it's not safe to
1: dish. Yeah. Have you ever done that to me? (laughs) (laughs) No, I never have. So,
0: yes, the fact that Linda begins recording these conversations becomes very huge because Linda now has this proof that Monica and Bill are having this affair.
1: I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. I I can't believe I didn't know that. I guess that makes sense. I just thought that she told people that. And she obviously was. Yeah. But but she had recorded it. It
0: could have just been she said, she said, where Monica could have just said, no, I didn't tell her that. Yeah, but and that's the end. She but had she these oh my god. So, um, so that's like summer and fall of 97. Now we're in winter of 97, and Betty Curry, Clinton's personal secretary, asks presidential pal Vernon Jordan to help Lewinsky find a job in New York. And Lewinsky meets with Jordan, and he refers her to several job leads. So clearly they are wanting her to move on from Washington, D.C. Yeah. To get away. To bigger and better things. But away from Washington, D.C. Not where this sexual harassment case is happening. Yeah. And it is shortly after that that Monica is subpoenaed by lawyers for Paula Jones, who is suing the president. Right. So now they're saying, we've heard that you're maybe having an affair with the president. We're subpoenaing you and you have to make a statement. I can't believe they can do that. Yeah. Isn't it wild? That's wild. And I mean, like, there's no way to prove what you're saying is true, but like, you can subpoena someone. Yeah. So it's December 28th. And Monica makes her final recorded visit to the White House and was signed in by Bill's personal secretary, Miss Curry, who we just talked about. And she, Monica reportedly meets privately with Bill, and he encourages her to be evasive in her answers to Jones's lawsuit. So they know that she's going to be subpoenaed, and Bill allegedly is saying to her,
1: try not to say anything definite. Try not to... <laughs> right. Be too specific. Nobody could be as good of a wordsmith as I can, Monica, but do your best. <laughs> just Just try to Keep it on the down low. So now we're into
0: 1998. A bad year for Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. In January, Lewinsky files her affidavit in the Jones case that she was subpoenaed for, and she denies ever having any sort of sexual relationship with President Clinton. This will later prove to be a bad move. Right. A pretty bad move that she made. Because, just two days later, Linda Tripp delivers the tapes of Monica talking about her affair with Bill to Linda's lawyer, Jim Moody. So now those tapes where Monica is saying Bill got cum on my dress, yeah, are are in like the legal world, and they're evidence that she perjured herself exactly. So she has now committed perjury, which is a crime, which is bad, and now she's having to get all these lawyers. She immediately calls her mom, which I respect. Oh my god, yeah. Well, if you think about it, she's twenty four. She's, she's our age. She's at this our point.
1: age. Yeah, I would call Susan and weep until she came to put her arms around me. Exactly.
0: So she, like, immediately calls her mom. Her mom calls their, like, friend who's a lawyer. The lawyer flies down and he's like, don't fucking just shush. Don't say anything. Right. I'm here now. We're gonna figure it out. Holy shit. I can't believe little Monica from down the street was having sex with the president. 24! She's 24. She's our literal age. She's our age. I don't know how I'd handle it if... I know how I'd handle it if Donald Trump came out to me, which is, like, punch him in the face.
1: Yeah. But, like, let's Grifly be- Gratefully be able to stab him in the stomach and give this country a break.
0: But let's be real for one second. Let's go back to a president that we both liked,
1: Barack Obama.
0: Oh, yeah. Who is, I'm sure, has never done anything wrong and he's would so never <laughs> do this. But let's say you or I is working for President Obama, we're 22, and he's, like, flirting with you. What do you do, you know?
1: I mean... I like to think that I'd be like, you're married. I'm not interested. But, like... But, I mean, on top of anything, like, on top of whether or not he's charming or beautiful or sexy or smart, which he is all of those things, he's my boss. Like,
0: and I not know. only... And not know.
1: only is he... I'm No, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying that to deter it. I'm saying that because that would probably make me do it. You know what mm, I mean? Fair enough. Like, he's my boss. He's the president of... Of the world. He's everybody's boss. He's the president, boss, person of America, of the country. You're gonna do whatever he says, no matter what, really. Kind of, yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, yes, you could say no, but, like, if he's all of those things, and I'm 22, and there is, like, this huge, inappropriate element of he has power over me... I don't know what would happen. Yeah. You know? I honestly can say I do not know what I would and do like, in that And, like, obviously that's a, and we're going to get to this, I'm sure, but, like, obviously that's a bad decision, but, like, two years ago, I was allowed to make bad decisions. I was a 22-year-old fucking girl, especially if those bad decisions were being made while there was pressure coming from my 49-year-old mm-hmm. male superior who was the president of the fucking United States. Yeah. You know? And also, by the stuff I've said about, like, his personal secretary,
0: that person who moved Monica's job, the friend who got her the interview in New York, like, it is clear the people around her know what's happening. Of course they do. And aren't stopping it. And aren't saying, Monica, are you okay?
1: Are you comfortable with this? Or,
0: Monica, I morally disagree with what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And nobody came to her and said, like, hey, you know, you should be really careful. And, like, yes, of course she's an adult. And, yes, she should know that all of that. She made a mistake. But, like... She made a small mistake. Yeah. And he made a huge one. Yeah. And there's a difference. There is. There absolutely is. So, at this point, Monica
0: has perjured herself because her work best friend, Linda, has revealed the tips. And Linda contacts um, the office of the Whitewater Independent Counsel Kenneth Starr. So, here's another scandal I have to talk about.
1: Whitewater. <laughs> <laughs> Whitewater. <laughs> we
0: are to get into Paula Jones. Let's talk about Whitewater. Whitewater, I did not even do that much research into, but I mean, I'm horrified. And it's basically just some allegations about some of the Clintons' real estate dealings in the 70s and 80s. They basically, like, went in on this real estate deal that ultimately fell apart, and it seems like they lost less than they should have. And is that, is there something weird there? And there was, like, a man that they both knew who was involved in it who ultimately committed suicide, so that, like, Trump brought that up, not that, during the election. Yeah, Trump supporters were like, she killed a guy, and it's like, that's not no. science. Stop it. Yeah. But but it's very sad that this man died by suicide, but it does not seem that, like,
1: the she didn't murder killed him. him. Yeah.
0: Uh, but that's all kind of wrapped up in Whitewater. So this guy, Kenneth Starr, is the independent counsel who has been, like, appointed to investigate this. Because, as we now know from all the Trump stuff, when shit is going down with the president, you need an independent counsel who, in theory, is not biased.
1: Yes, you do need that.
0: (laughs) You sure do. To investigate the claims. So, Linda comes to Kenneth Starr with these tapes, which are basically proof that Monica perjured herself and she has been having an affair with Clinton. And it's also um, alleging that both Clinton and his friend Vernon Jordan told Lewinsky to lie under oath which is bad for both of them and obviously bad for Monica. Right. So Kenneth, like, kind of doesn't really have jurisdiction here, but, like, he does because he's investigating shady dealings of the Clintons and, like, he's getting involved in the Paula Jones stuff because it's shady and is it connected to Whitewater and now it's, like, this is three degrees of separation, but can he still investigate it? But he ultimately gets, um, like, approval from the Attorney General to expand his probe and he is now, like, fully involved in this. And they're bugging Linda Tripp, and okay. she's, like, going to have dinner with Monica, and Monica's like, oh my god, like, when you talk about this Paula Jones thing, like, I know you're gonna get subpoenaed too, can you just, like, not mention, like, just just lie, just say, like, I didn't have sex with Bill. And Linda's, like, on the mic with the FBI, like, yes, I will perjure myself if that's what you ask of me, Monica Lewinsky,
1: and Monica's like, that would be great, thank you so much. Oh. <laughs> it's so rough. <laughs> For some reason I am just picturing you as Linda Tripp <laughs> doing this to me and I'm mad at you. Yeah. I'm it's so upset. I'm devastated and I'm like I don't even care that I'm being like now accused of perjury i'm like mad that our friendship is
0: over and another just a little bit of the dynamic that like obviously i don't know either of these women but what i imagine to be the dynamic between linda and monica is linda's like 20 years older than monica
1: and is like a work mom and and monica is away from her mom in california she's in washington dc for the first time and she needs like a mother figure yeah and she took that role on (laughs) Oh, I'm furious. And I'm just thinking about my work mom, Brenda. Yeah. Who would never do that to me. Imagine if Brenda was recording you for the FBI. I can't deal with that. (laughs) No, she would never do that to me. I I don't think Monica thought Linda would. Yeah. It's true. No. It's true. It's okay. But so. I gotta be careful
0: what I say. (laughs) So Linda's getting all this tape for the FBI that's basically Monica being like, oh, Bill told me to lie, and now, like, Bill's telling me to ask you to lie. Is that cool with you? And Linda's (laughs) like, yeah, it's cool. (laughs) And so, um, ultimately, so, Linda's recording Monica getting all this info. They go to a Ritz-Carlton to meet Linda and, um, Monica, in theory to gab, but instead... FBI agents intercede and take Lewinsky into a hotel room where they question her and offer her immunity if she will testify against Bill. And Monica's like, what? (laughs) What? Without her lawyer? Yeah. They just grab her and they're kind of like, huh. And this is around the time that she frantically contacts her mother. (laughs) Of course. Mom, what the fuck? And they send her, um, like, family friend and family lawyer William Ginsburg, and he represents her throughout the rest of this. Okay. Uh, but she's like, holy shit so at this point um clinton has to give his statement in the jones lawsuit which now includes monica and kathleen wiley the woman who linda had seen leaving bill's office looking very bedraggled and who later accused him of sexually harassing her and clinton says in his like statement that he um never had a sexual relationship with monica obviously that is not true Around this time, um, Newsweek gets a tip about all this, like, the Lewinsky tapes and all the stuff, and they choose not to run a story by reporter Michael Eiskopf, uh, which they will later get a lot of flack for when it comes out, and there's, like, allegations that the Clinton office was like, can you not? Yeah. <laughs> and Newsweek didn't, which is
1: fucked up in a world where we have free press. Yes. Very but important. Very important, the free press. Just no matter because, what you might hear. Just because
0: Newsweek is not running with the story does not mean no one runs with the story. Got it and on January 19th, 1998, Monica's name surfaces in an internet gossip column called The Drudge Report, which also mentions that Newsweek has decided not to publish the piece. So, Monica's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Her name is out there as That's someone That's the day has, it lands. Yeah, her name is now out there as someone who has fucked the president. And she did. So, like, what can she do? This is now totally public information. Yeah. Now that it's on
1: the fledgling internet. And then it, like, spreads to all of the major papers. Exactly.
0: Which, isn't it crazy that in 1999, the or 1998, the internet existed? Wild. <laughs> isn't really that wild? wild? So, um, Clinton just keeps saying that he did not have a relationship with Monica. Kenneth Starr just keeps, like, subpoenaing people and White House records. And people are like, why are you investigating this? You're supposed to be doing Whitewater. And he's like, shut up. I'm investigating this. (laughs) It's all bad. And then um, in January, William Ginsburg says that Monica is willing to tell all in exchange for immunity. And that makes uh, the Clinton camp a little antsy because they do not want her to tell all. And, um, Clinton's political advisor, James Carville, says a war will be waged between Clinton supporters and Kenneth Starr over the Starr investigation tactics, and Monica is right in the middle of that.
1: Oh. So it's
0: clear that, like, (laughs) the tide is bad, and... (laughs) Yeah, and what choice does she have? Exactly. And so then, on January 26th, 1998... Clinton forcefully repeats his denial, and this is in person in a press conference, and I'm going to read it in full. Please. I'm not going to do a Clinton impression. Do a light Arkansas accent. I can't do it. Okay, fine. (laughs) So this is what he says about Monica. Now, I have to go back to work on my State of the Union speech, and I worked on it until pretty late last night, but I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back and work for the American people. Thank you. It's pretty clear. Pretty clear. Pretty fucked up that he says, I do not have sexual relations with that woman. With that woman, yeah. It's gross. I hate it. Uh, so that was January. Monica doesn't have much going on until July. So a few months later, she finally gets her transactional immunity, which means that in exchange for her testimony, she will not be prosecuted for her perjury, which she needs. Bill is still saying, I didn't have sex with her. (laughs) She can say whatever she wants to say. Yeah, she's a liar. She's obsessed with me. Yeah. But what Monica has is a blue dress with a cum stain on it from our president of the United States, Bill Clinton. And they DNA test the dress. Yep. And then, Bill's stuck, because obviously, he, How did it get on there? How would that be there? And so this is finally, like, unequivocal proof that Clinton, A, is perjuring himself, and B, absolutely had an extramarital affair, which, like, in the legal pers- perspective is less important than the perjury. Yeah. But, he lied. Yes. But, for a lot of,
1: like, the American public, it's like- It n- doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, it's- there's the legal the- thing that's worse, and then there's- The sex scandal scandal of it it all. So
0: that's late July where they finally are like, this was your DNA on her dress. What do you want to do about that? Your move, Bill. And so mid August, he admits to an improper physical relationship with Monica. And he says that the relationship was not appropriate. And so for Bill, um, he is given false testimony and he is alleged to have influenced um, Monica giving false testimony which is obstruction of justice and perjury and therefore impeachable offenses. And famously, he was impeached, but all of of the Democrats in the Senate vote for acquittal, and ten Republicans do, and so he is acquitted. Just like that. And he he keeps being president, and there you go. Yep. And that's the impact on Bill Clinton.
1: Yeah. And he's still pretty much beloved.
0: Yeah, he's very much still beloved
1: to this day. The impact on Monica
0: is the next two pages of this document. So just think about that, first of
1: all. Yeah.
0: Something that I'd just like to say is that when I was looking through Monica's Wikipedia, in her, like, early life section of her thing, two affairs are mentioned. One that she allegedly have had with, like, a married coworker, and one that her mother allegedly had. And I was like, why is this in here? Why is that relevant? But it's just, like, it's part of the cultural attitude about Monica Lewinsky is that she's this, like, crazy sex fiend other woman. Four. Yeah. Four. So that's fucked up. But. Obviously, Monica is a pop culture sensation overnight when this, when her name comes out in 1998 as someone who has fucked Bill Clinton. And she has these massive legal bills because of the perjury charge that she has to pay. So she's all of a sudden very famous and needs money. So obviously she starts going out and doing stuff. So she writes a book with um, Andrew Morton. So he really writes the book, but she is there. And it's called Monica's Story. And it's about her side of the Clinton affair, and she gets five hundred thousand dollars with it. She does an interview with Barbara Walters about her side. That's a very famous interview. That is very famous, and with like she has like part of the national royalties for it, so she gets about a million dollars from that. Um, in two thousand, so like two ish years after her name first comes out, but probably like one ish year after everything's settled, Jenny Craig offers her a million dollar endorsement deal, but as part of the deal, she has to lose forty pounds. And then she can be a Jenny Craig spokesperson, so she does it, but um, Jenny Craig ends up getting a lot of negative press from it, and they were trying to say, like, she's a modern woman, she's a woman on the go, she, like, has the problem that we all have, where, like, sometimes you're a little heavy. But ultimately, Jenny Craig was like, we did fuck up, and they end up only paying her 300000 of her $1 million deal, because they end the contract
1: early. Right, yeah. So she That's, lost- That was another big thing I remember about, like, her pop culture moment, was that she was- Heavier. She was still absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. and thin by any standards other than American ones. But, like, she was very curvy. Yeah. And that drew a lot of attention of, like, oh, like, that's what the president likes mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And her body was picked apart. Yeah. And she, she later made a
0: comment that was, like, people would say about me, like, I'm surprised because she's not even that pretty. Yeah. And um, as Monica, she was like, come on. Like, not only is <laughs> this... I not hot enough? <laughs> not only is this ruined my whole life, but you're also going to just fucking say I'm not that pretty. Like, I know it's not the important part, but come on. That would like, be the worst part for me, because I'm very vain. So, it's so fucked up. For a while, in the early 2000s, Monica designs handbags. Okay. And she's known as, like, an accessory designer. And then in 2003, she hosts a reality television dating program called Mr. Personality. And it's young women are picking men and the men are um, hidden by masks. So they're just picking off personality. And all the reviews say she was actually a very good host of that show, but the, um, like, the ratings just weren't that great. Yeah. So it got canceled. But I read a couple reviews and they were like, Monica's doing a great job. She's actually doing a really good job. She's, She's crazy. She's very good. So now we're at 2005, which is about six or seven years after the scandal has hit. And she has not been able to escape the spotlight in the U.S. And it has made her professional and her personal life very different. Obviously, Monica Lewinsky is, like, a not-that-common name and a name that is so deep in the American pop culture psyche that, like, she cannot go anywhere or do anything without people being, like, Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. She's a punchline everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So she moves to London to study social psychology at the London School of Economics. And in 2006, she graduates with a Master of Science there. Nice. And she's like, mostly stays in London, but goes between, like, London, New York, and L.A. for the next 10 years, basically. Does not do an interview. Does not make a comment about anything. Then, it's 2014. Monica's back. She writes this really well-written article for Vanity Fair, um, where she basically talks about where she's been, which is under the radar for the last 10 years because her life has been hell, and what it was like to feel all this shame and to be known as America's blowjob queen, which someone said to her face and which really stuck with her. Yeah. Is it like someone said to her, how does it feel to be America's blowjob queen? And she was like, uh. How does one respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's just wild. So she said that she's had to do a lot of her own ventures because when she goes to interview for jobs, they say, Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Yeah oh, you're Monica Lewinsky. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to work at your ad agency. And she's and it's like, like, yeah, Monica Lewinsky.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, it's not even about her skill. It's like, do we want to take that name onto ourselves? Exactly. That's a huge undertaking.
0: And so it's been really hard for her Um, around the time that like she wrote this. A, Hillary was gearing up for a 2016 presidential run. And B, um, some, like, faxes had come out, which was Hillary talking to her work best friend. So, which, and which, um, Hillary referred to Monica as a narcissistic Looney Tune. And this was, like, in 98 when everything was coming out. So, Monica said, like, I get it that when you're dishing and that becomes out of context, like, (laughs) part of a, big thing. And you're like, yeah, I understand that. I get that, but she, she criticized Hillary for blaming both Monica and herself, because in other, um facts, Hillary said that she actually blamed herself for Bill's affair because she was emotionally neglectful.
1: Yeah. And Monica was like, so why can we never blame the man? Yeah. In charge. Yeah. So Monica was, the was the like, that's thing. fucked
0: up on a couple levels. Yeah. And obviously she's mad about Bill. Bill makes it seem like she was, like, the initiator. <laughs> and Monica's always, this is something I found very interesting, like, Monica has referenced the fact that there was a real power discrepancy between the two of them and that that was not right and, like, he should not have been hitting on her because he was the president. But she has always been very, very firm that it was 100% consensual between them. Yeah. He was not forcing anything on her. She was not forcing anything on him. What You know, one of them was not the instigator. Like, it was... Yeah. They wanted to touch
1: each other and they did. And I watched her TED Talk. I don't know if you'll talk about that later. Um, But you know. she talks about... How she was in love, Mm -hmm. you know, she was like, I was 22 and I was in love. Yeah. And, you know, I know that sounds like a dumb thing, but even though it was so long ago, I remember being 22 (laughs) and, you know, that's the most important thing in the world and you figure out that it isn't and that responsibilities are important sometime around, oh, I don't know, 49. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. So it's a
0: really great article. Um, she's become an advocate against cyberbullying. Cause she has point. She's called herself Patient Zero for cyberbullying yeah. in that like right when the internet was coming out. Uh, and she's she's criticized uh feminists at the time who like no one stood up to say it's wrong that we're demonizing this woman.
1: Yeah, yeah. like
0: it just wasn't. No one did that for her, and she was like, I don't identify as a capital F feminist because. They really were not there for me when yeah, I couldn't understand. Yeah, which I get from her from her point of view.
1: And I think I it would be it. different now. I, I, I think really it would, think
0: uh, it would. In light of Me Too and everything, I yeah. think it would be, I hope it would be different. Um, and then one quote that she said that I just want to read really quick as we wrap up this story is this. She says, um, she's talking about when Bill referred to her as um, that woman. I've never had sex with that woman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So far. That woman has never been able to escape the shadow of that first depiction. I was the unstable stalker, a phrase disseminated by the Clinton White House, the dimwit floozy, the poor innocent who didn't know any better. The Clinton administration, the special prosecutor's minions, the political operatives on both sides of the aisles, and the media were able to brand me. And that brand stuck, in part because it was imbued with power. I became a social representation, a social canvas, on which anybody could project their confusion about women, sex, infidelity, politics, and body issues. And, like, that doesn't hit the nail on the damn head. Oh my god, yeah.
1: That is so eloquent. I know, right?
0: It's, I, this Vanity Fair article, I highly recommend it. We'll tweet it, for sure. Yeah, But, I just, I think in, like, the era of Me Too that we're now in, it's really important for us to look back on older sex scandals, on things that were viewed through a different light, and, like, Think about how we could do better. And like, we failed Monica Lewinsky. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, she was a 22 year old who absolutely made mistakes. And, and we shish kebabbed her. And we, yeah, we crucified her for it. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And we just watched together um, Nanette. Yes. Um, by Hannah Gadsby, which is on Netflix. Which so good. is fantastic. It comes with a pretty significant trigger warning for sexual violence and um, hate crimes. Mm-hmm. But she talks about this, mm-hmm. actually, really quickly. But even after she talks about it, she says, why, why will we do anything to protect a man's reputation yeah. at any, any cost? No matter what the cost is, it's worth it to protect a man's reputation if, if that's what we want to do. And I think that is just the perfect example of this. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like,
0: yeah, just like, Look back in in, in history and, and look at these things with a little bit more of a critical eye because all the people in it were real people and not just punchlines. Yeah. And good for Monica that now she feels she can be an advocate about cyberbullying and shame and, you know, all this stuff that she's had to deal with from such a young age.
1: Yeah. And a really humanizing thing that I remember from that TED Talk that I talked about was she described when she was showering after the Drudge Report thing came out, her mom would sit in the bathroom with her because she was scared that she was going to kill herself. Mm -hmm. That's where she was, you know what I mean? And, like, thinking about all, like, the rap songs and TV shows and SNL sketches that happened as a result of this affair, I always think about that. I can't get that out of my mind. If it was just this terrified girl our age who needed her mom, you know what I mean? Like, how much more... How much more do you need than that, than that to really understand what was going on in this situation? Absolutely.
0: So that's Monica, you guys. Um, I'm very, Ugh. I, I'm horrified, of course,
1: but I'm, I'm proud of her that she's moving forward, that she's getting back out there. Yeah. And she's, she's an advocate for herself and others yeah. now. And I really respect and admire her in that Absolutely. way. Absolutely, I really do.
0: Hey folks, have you visited our friends at
1: AdamandEve.com yet? Use our special discount code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item, plus a free gift, plus free shipping. Oh my god, that's H-O-R-R-O-R.
0: Head over to AdamandEve.com for some sexy discounts. The
1: only thing sexier than sex is discounts.
0: Mmm, discounts. And now we have to move forward.
1: Yes. And we have to learn about something new and different. Somehow this is going to be a lighter topic. Nice. Um, and then somehow it's going to be nothing of the kind. Oh, exciting. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk now about the capuchin catacombs. I'm so curious. Um, and you mentioned earlier the monkeys, and I'll, I'll reiterate again, it has nothing to do with them, but though they oh. are so cute, so maybe I'll just post some capuchin monkeys on I'd our like Twitter that. account. Please do. Just um, for me. Tag me in it. But then I'll post pictures of corpses. Oh, good. So, <laughs> catacombs is the other part of that, right? Yep. So right off the bat, my segment is inspired by author, YouTuber, and mortician, Caitlin Dowdy, who runs a fabulous series on YouTube called Ask a Mortician. So please go check her out on YouTube and Twitter. She's amazing. And I'm so inspired by the content that she creates. I will definitely link her iconic corpses videos <laughs> to our Twitter account because that inspired this next segment. Woohoo. So the Cabocean Catacombs where we begin um let's take it way back let's take it from washington dc in the 90s to 16th century palermo very similar um, italy are we there i wish we could do like a dragon tales thing like we wish on a scale and then we get yes. to go visit the stuff we talk about our magic treehouse moment yes yes mm. except all the things we talk about are terrible so yes. maybe we wouldn't want maybe to. we'd rather stay here in your comfortable yeah. bedroom except like make a wish and then be covered in molasses <laughs> But anyways, our story begins with the Capuchin Monastery of Palermo. Um, The monks are living, loving, minding their business. (laughs) Around the 1590s, something weird happens, which is that their cemetery is full. Oh, no. I know. What to do? Real estate in Palermo is skyrocketing. Mm. I'm not sure if that's true. Palermo is in Sicily, by the way, which is um, extremely beautiful, if not riddled with mafia affiliations. (laughs) And for anyone who didn't pay attention in geography, Italy's like a boot i've heard that shaped like a boot kicking a football sicily is the football oh so it's at the bottom okay
0: is this an Um, american football or an italian football
1: either i guess it's just like a weird triangle so i guess maybe american football oh that's fun yeah so that doesn't matter so much but it's just a fun fact before we talk about many of the unfun facts Mm -hmm. um that i'm about to tell you so anyways the cemetery is full and the monks start excavating into the crypts below their monastery. And they talk amongst themselves, and they're like, you know what? This feels like the perfect place that we should all hang out in when we're dead. <laughs> so we'll just start burying people here, you know? Like, don't you agree, Friar Fabrizio? Like, don't you think that this is the perfect place to start stacking up our dead? I'm into it. Brothers? I agree.
0: Yes, Friar um... Fabiano, I agree. <laughs> so in 1599,
1: Silvestro of Gubbio, Jubio took four years of italian and i don't know how to pronounce those (laughs) they mummified this brother of the monastery they mummified they mummified him a little bit and they popped him up in the crypts and as the years went on they they did this more and more because like that's how death works you know yeah people Um, just keep doing it yeah it's just the ball keeps on rolling but the thing that is very singular about this crypt is this they are all fully on display for anyone who walks through the crypt yeah you look a little confused actually as to what i actually mean by that let me let me explain a little bit more please do so they're propped up on the walls oh fully clothed oh and decaying Uh, mummified to a certain extent so
0: not buried
1: no they're not buried Okay. Do you get it now? Yeah. <laughs> so So they're just hanging out. They're just hanging out. So when you say like we popped him up there, you really mean like they just pop him right up there. I really did mean that. So fully clothed, propped up like it's a fucking like Madame Tuzo's wax museum. Ooh real. Um to Bernie's moment. Yeah, just like hanging out. Wow. Really literally. In total there are about eight thousand corpses and one thousand two hundred mummies. So, (laughs) for more description, an Atlas Obscura article described the catacombs this way. Quote, it is believed that the particularly dry atmosphere allowed for natural mummification of the bodies. So they would just start putting the bodies in there and they would sort of naturally dry out. Gross. Great. Um, Initially, priests would lay the dead on shelves and allow them to drip until they were completely depleted of body fluids. Your face is like making a crazy face. (laughs)
0: cool no that's really cool that's an interesting fun that's a fun fact there Al. that's cool. fun good
1: you look great so i'll continue a full year later the dried out corpse would be rinsed with vinegar before being redressed in their best attire i love that piece that's nice and sent to their proper room to stand for eternity if you're gonna Do you love that? If you're gonna mummify me, I insist you put me in a chair because you know I loved sitting. You hate standing up. I hate it. Yeah. I'll put you in this chair. This is a very comfortable chair. That's all I ask. Right. Why just why, why just bear just put him So yeah, they're like up and some of them are posed. Some of them are <laughs> I'm like, breaking your mind right now. Friar Greg was a fun guy, so let's have him like doing a thumbs up. Yeah, he's doing like finger guns. But then, you know, Paolo next to him, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um so that's upsetting, right? Yeah, I'm upset. Um, but not to the people in Palermo. No way, baby. Word got round about this cool freewheeling crypt and a bunch of other people, prominent people of Palermo, wanted to be buried there. So the catacombs had to like start a process of like applicants who wanted to be in this crypt because it was such this big deal. You gotta apply to die? (laughs) I guess so. Um, And this is a favorite part. The catacombs are divided into corridors, housing particular groups. So the groups are men, women, virgins. What? (laughs) Nice. Children, priests, which are children not virgins. (laughs) Um, Priests, are they not virgins? I'm confused. Uh, Monks and professionals. I love that last one. Professionals. So all of these corpses are variously well preserved. Some are just skeletons. Some are mummified and then some are so scary looking that I will have nightmares until winter. Okay. There is a bone-chilling photo article from unusualplaces.org that says, quote, the catacombs offer the long lasting feeling of horror which worsens with each step. The feeling becomes more unbearable the longer you remain. Skulls with the skin slowly peeling off, bodies of women and infants striking scary poses as their bodies slowly fall apart <sighs> hollowed out faces with grotesque grimaces teeth and even mustaches still intact because <sighs> the capuchin crypt is reportedly one of the most haunted locations in italy that's fucked up but you know sam i feel like that description isn't vivid enough no. for our listeners i think it's so enough. i think that what we're gonna have to do I don't know, I think is gonna... look at some of the photos no i think we're good <laughs> we're doing it no i think we're fine we're gonna do it I'm okay <laughs> You're standing. You said you hated that. Um, so, listeners, oh God, I, I I just want you to get Sam's thoughts. Okay. We're gonna scroll. It's the top the- of the webpage now. We're fine. Scrolling. So, what do you see? Skulls. Skulls everywhere. <laughs>
0: a lot of skulls, and they all seem like, um, their heads are, like, falling down a little bit. Probably because, like, all their tendons are gone.
1: Probably. Um, this one's just skeletons, though. It's not even the worst part. Yeah, they're just Skeletons. Just hanging out, so this is kind of a closer look. Skulls. Oh, sometimes the friars would be propped up with the ropes they would use as penance around their necks, which, like, that feels unnecessary. Yeah,
0: you're already dead, you're in heaven, probably. Yeah, I hope so.
1: If you were gonna get there, you're
0: there. Oh, this. here's a lady um she's in the lady part i guess she's just like in her full outfit like she like she's gonna walk out and shake your hand yeah and i hate it (laughs) that's what it looks like soldiers these are two soldiers i think with big um napoleon like hats wow okay well they look fancy they're at least lying down i hate them Ooh. uh here's maybe the pope i don't know but i hate it (laughs) Look at that one. Oh, that one still has some skin on it. It has a lot yeah. And the Listeners. other one's a skeleton the
1: skeletons are easier to look at. Yeah,
0: the skeletons are oh a baby. That's sad. Oh god. That's like that. Scroll.
1: Oh, I don't even like that one either. Ooh, I hated that one. I scrolled. Scroll. I scrolled. I scrolled. I scrolled. <laughs>
0: Sorry. A face, and it had
1: like enough skin that I was spooked, but not enough skin that it was okay. It was like that middle part of Indiana Jones when the guy's face is being melted off, but it's yes. not melted off all the way. Yet. It was exactly like that. Yeah, it looks like just like that, that.
0: guy has um some hair in the last one. That's oh, that one's This one scary. looks like it's
1: screaming. That's great. Just oh, I won't scream. show you the last one. I don't... Um. Okay, great. That was not as scary. I'm gonna talk about her in a minute. Okay. Um. So I'm I'll gonna. Look away. I'm Will taking you? it away. Yeah. All right. It's a Google Doc again. Are you okay? No. <laughs> Frankly, I'm not all right. So do you hate it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, You're welcome, Allie. I did it for you. I'm horrified. I'm sad. <laughs> I know you hated that. I hated it. But it's scary. And so I'll post pictures on our Twitter, but, like, it's just, and, like... And unfollow our Twitter, folks. A crazy... Don't follow it anymore. I would post a link to the photos. I wouldn't just post the photos. That's terrible. But I would force you to do it because... Um, <laughs> that's just part of the show but there is one so there's one other thing I want to talk about which is a spooky story but not as obviously frightening as what I just showed you so this is this corpse is the most famous of them all at the capuchin catacombs and that is sweet Rosalia Lombardo known as the sleeping beauty of the capuchin catacombs so okay. little Rosalia was only two years old when she died of pneumonia. So it's oh, very baby. very sad. Her father was apparently completely distraught over of her death course. and approached noted embalmer Alfredo Salafia to preserve her body. And he did this so well that her corpse became something of like a public marvel. Oh. And decades after her death, people were awestruck at how lifelike she still appeared, as if she were just sleeping. Oh. Um. So even today, her body is like eerily well preserved. And some of those who have visited her body have said that sometimes her eyes will even open, but that's just folklore. Somebody actually did research on that topic and found that it's just, there's like a window at the top of where she's kept and the shadows underneath her eyelids change. Oh. So people thought that her eyes were opening, but it was really just the shadows. All right. Well, I'm glad it was the shadows. Thank God. Yes. And so she was one of the last to be admitted into the catacombs in 1920. Oh. So from the 16th century to 1920, and then obviously Wow, it's that's a long now. time. That is a really long time. That's a lot of deaths. Um, so I want to show you her picture, which isn't scary so much as wild. So that's wow. her. Oh, wow. She really does not look dead. It's crazy, right? And like, she's been dead for probably decades mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the time this picture was taken. Holy shit. Yeah. So this, I think, I believe this was taken in the 70s or 80s. Damn. Um, it's just wild. So it's just this piece of sort of folklore and mm-hmm. mysticism in Palermo.
0: Damn.
1: That is literally wild. It's crazy. It's less spooky. Um, the other ones, I died, but that one I know, was just it's just interested. like, it's a Marvel, and so that is the Ask a Martician video that I watched was about Rosalie Lombardo, and Ooh. I'll link to that. But yeah, I mean, it's open to the public. If you went to Palermo, you could tour- the pictures that I just showed you, you could be in there. How do you feel about that? So, I don't know. So, here's
0: why. I'm very undecided about this, because- And I think I've said this before on this podcast, but if not, let me share my truth with you. I'm very afraid of ghosts. You're very afraid of ghosts. I like to believe I don't believe in them, but I'm so afraid of them that I must believe in them, you know? So being in a place like that, like, that's ghost city, baby. You know what I mean? If if, if ghosts are real, they're there. They must be there. So I don't want to go in there. The other part of me, though, I love history. You love it. And the fact that, like, from the 1600s to, like, the 1920s, there's people and stuff in there... That's fascinating. Maybe they have, like, a bookstore out front that you could go to. That's what I should probably do. Yeah. Or, like, an attached museum that has pictures of it.
1: That I could do. I think because I'm claustrophobic, I couldn't do it. Ooh. I think if there was more space, Mm. I would be okay. No space, just bodies. But there's no space. It's, like, very low and stone. Mm -hmm. Like, I went to Paris last year and... Um, my boyfriend was really like, oh, we should do the catacombs. And I was like, yeah, that would be so cool. That would be so cool. And then I went on, like, anxiety forums. <laughs> Of like, how bad is it, really? And they're like, it's bad. Oh, no. <laughs> so we couldn't do that. But good move. So, like, yeah. But, I overall, mean, overall, it was best for the people who would have been in there with me. You don't want to be having a panic attack and their skulls. No, exactly. <laughs> I can deal with either of those separately, but yeah, not, together. not together. But you know what? I There was something that kind of popped in my mind, which is, you know, for me, as a corpse, I love this plan. Mm-hmm. Because, like, picture the two of us after we've died okay. at a very old age, yes. surrounded by our grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And then we're like propped up in front of this microphone. Like a cute ode to our podcasting years. Oh my god. For eternity.
0: That's so fun.
1: For the crushing endlessness of eternity.
0: Yeah, but we're hanging out gabbing. But we just get to
1: be like and I could pose we could pose ourselves like hey, like in like mid yes. Like mid chat. Like I'm
0: like hiding my face and you're like trying to show me something. Oh my god. That'd be so cute. Or you're saying something and I'm lovingly stroking your face. Yeah, which is happening right now. But yeah, it's just like, if our will bearers could bear that in mind. Yeah. That would be lit. To my great-grandson, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you're a disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for listening to great-grandma's old podcast. Now do this one thing for me. (laughs) Please bury me sitting up with my friend Allie recording a podcast. If Allie is not dead yet, Jeffrey, I have a horrible job you must do.
1: <laughs> I love this. Thank God. And I hope that 80 years from now, well, 80 years from now, will be 104. But Perfect. Yes. 80 years from now. I've always thought I might be the first person to live to
0: 150. Because the first person to live to 150 is alive somewhere in the world right now, probably, statistically. And you think that's you? It could be me. And Am you I... just mentioned how much you love sitting. Yeah, I love, do I love sitting? Yes. Do I know how to cook healthy meals? No. Do I go to the doctor regularly? Absolutely not.
1: But that's like those people who are always like, well, my uncle had steak for breakfast and whiskey for lunch, and he lived to be 95. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, well, then fine. I'm,
0: I'm more healthy than that uncle. Yeah. I think I'm going to make it.
1: <sighs> Me too. <laughs>
0: Thanks, babe. And I'm tapped out now. I don't yeah. have anything else to I don't have after the fear that I experienced with those photos, I can't. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a nightmare. I need six hours to just concentrate on myself.
1: So I, while we do that, you guys go enjoy it the rest of your day and stay horrified. Stay horrified! Stay horrified.